0: And welcome to the Impact Education Payer Talk CE program entitled Efficient Utilization Management and Enhanced Access to CGM Under the Pharmacy Benefit. This Payer Talk CE program is jointly provided by Medical Education Resources and Impact Education, LLC, and it is designated for one half contact hour of continuing education credit. And we would like to thank them for making this possible. The activity is also supported by an independent educational grant from Dexcom Incorporated, and we would like to thank them for their support. My name is Jeff Dunn. I am the Chief Clinical Officer at Cooperative Benefits Group, and I'm joined today by Janelle Grubbs, who is the Senior Director of Clinical Services and Operations at Kroger Prescription Plans, and she will discuss Utilization Management of Continuous Glucose Monitoring under the Pharmacy Benefit and how her organization is working to ensure appropriate access to CGM among their members. Welcome, Janelle.
1: Thanks, Jeff, it's a great pleasure to be here.
0: Fantastic, Uh, I'm excited for this. So Janelle, to start, can you please tell us a little bit about your organization and your role, including number of cover lives and the overall strategy with respect to healthcare coverage and wellness programming?
1: Certainly, I'd be happy to. Um, Kroger Prescription Plans, also known as KPP, was established in 1993 by the Kroger Company to administer PBM benefits for all of its Kroger divisions. Since 1993, Kroger Prescription Plans has expanded to not only serve as Kroger's in-house PBM for both our union and non-union groups, Today, though, KPP's book of business has grown to include roughly 100 outside clients in the mid to small um, size market, all of which are the commercial um, space. And in addition, KPP's rebate aggregation vertical has grown exponentially since 2022. Currently, Kroger Prescription Plans manages over 6 million lives and offers four different formularies. I'm proud to say that KPP is a pharmacist led PBM where decisions are made by pharmacists who combine the synergies with both the financial and the clinical aspects. I am a pharmacist by trade, and as my role as Senior Director of Clinical Services and Operations, I'm so very fortunate to lead and work alongside a rock-solid team of clinical professionals who operate with excellence and daily strive to fulfill Kroger's mission of feeding the human spirit. With respect to the overall organization strategy, KPP partners with Kroger Health regarding MedX, which proactively loads formulary changes directly into the retail pharmacy's dispensing system roughly about 90 days prior to changes. By allowing our local Kroger retail pharmacists visibility into these changes, our pharmacists can proactively interact and personally counsel patients regarding the upcoming formulary changes and also discuss alternatives too. Through these types of personalized patient-pharmacist interactions, KPP can increase adherence, proactively manage and message formulary changes more efficiently, and let's not forget the economic benefit of helping to bend the drug trend and spend curve.
0: Uh, thank you, Janelle. That, that's really fascinating to me, and I love the fact that you have uh, you know identified an issue and, and brought PBM in-house and are moving forward with these programs, really just kind of controlling your destiny. So that's, that's very cool. Um, but you have a kind of a unique uh, perspective. Uh, you're both an employer group and a PBM. So I would like to ask you, how do you approach your clients, uh, you know, external to the KPP uh, employees, uh, with it, the importance of open access to CGM versus how do you address diabetes management among your own employees?
1: Well, Jeff, KPP was a pioneer in opening access to continuous glucose monitoring products long before the American Diabetes Association guidelines, um, which now recommend that the use of CGM devices should be considered from the outset of the diagnosis of diabetes that require insulin management. As I've mentioned before, KPP offers four different formularies, the Elite, the Impact Plus, Plus the base impact, and the value-managed formularies. All four formularies share the same CGM strategy of no prior authorization for continuous glucose monitors, and our two preferred products are Dexcom and Freestyle Libre.
0: So, I'm assuming since you removed the prior authorization that CGMs are available for members with both type 1 and type 2 diabetes?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And there's no step therapy, though, separate from the PA? through insulin
1: use. Correct, no step therapy.
0: Perfect. Uh, So if we look at data elsewhere, uh, claims audits have shown that physicians do tend to prescribe in alignment with the medical evidence. I think that's a concern, maybe wrongly so, that that some payers have that, you know, by opening up coverage that the world's going to end in terms of inappropriate utilization. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in one analysis specifically of Medicare Advantage data, Uh, 94% of claims were ultimately deemed to be clinically warranted and appropriate. Uh, Can you you please explain your organization's review of your PA criteria requests for CGM and what you found?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, I'd just like to explain the process, comprehensive process at a high level. So quarterly, our uh, clinicians, our pharmacist team of clinicians will perform a deep dive into trend analysis for our book of business, to determine the effectiveness and the utility for all of our current utilization management programs. So in doing so in quarter four of 2019, um, we reviewed the CGM impact on trend and spend on our book of business. And a deeper dive into this quarterly analysis indicated that the initial PA rates for our continuous glucose monitors had a higher approval rate in comparison to our typical 60% approval rate for initial prior authorizations. So typically, higher than average prior authorization approval rates for initial PAs will indicate one of two things, either appropriate utilization or weak criteria. And those two are usually the root cause to those higher than average rates. Given a higher than normal initial approval rate, this then led us to dig a little deeper and review the appeal approval rates, too. And the prior authorization criteria, physician responses, along with other factors were reviewed, analyzed, and then ranked. The clinical disease state, patient experience, and cost considerations, as well as PBM administrative burden, the patient and the prescriber, and the cost to the client also help paint the picture and tell the story as to why it made sense to remove the prior authorization from the continuous glucose monitoring um, products.
0: So I think this is going to be a, a process and conversation and a lot of our listeners are going to follow as well. Uh, so uh, let's just dive into that a little bit, if that's okay. What what was the specific rationale then for the elimination of the PA?
1: Well, Jeff, the rationale was multifactorial in nature. Um, first, I think it's important to understand the environment. The environment must be right to support removal of criteria. KBP is fortunate to have two visionary and dynamic leaders the Kroger Company CEO Rodney McMullen, and also Kroger Health President Colleen Linholtz, as well as Kevin Favreau, Senior Vice President of KPP, who I directly report to. Under their collective visions and Kevin's leadership style of empowering employees to drive change, this enabled my clinical team to carry out the company's strategic healthcare mission. As I mentioned before, the analysis pointed to a higher than normal approval rate for both the initial prior authorizations as well as the appeals. The initial prior authorization approval rates were over 70% as the appeal approval rates topped over 90% for the continuous glucose monitors. So clearly there was something not working here. Um, KPP reviewed and then determined for both the initial prior authorization and the appeal criteria that we used was strong. Therefore, we concluded the data was compelling that physicians were in fact appropriately prescribing CGMs for the right patient population. We saw the CGM products as the next evolution of finger sticking. Um, CGMs provide more consistent and accurate representation of blood glucose levels, which ultimately lead to better disease control and prevention of future diabetes-related conditions. We all know that in the long run this will translate into savings for the payer. Given the fact the data supported the appropriate utilization and prescribing, the removal of the prior authorization would also translate into a better patient physician experience and would ultimately reduce the administrative burden on the PBM side. The payer would also reap the savings of costs associated for a clinician's time to review and decision either an initial or subsequent appeal prior authorization request. At the end of the day, KPP saw this as a win-win for all parties involved.
0: Uh, I love that, and it's, it's so important uh, in terms of leadership and the ability to do things. So uh, great uh, great environment, uh, great commentary. I quoted a minute ago some statistics, though, around uh, appropriate use by physicians. Uh, So just reiterate, from your perspective, uh, were physicians prescribing CGM appropriately regardless of rebate or other cost considerations?
1: Yes, Jeff. Our data and analysis supported that physicians were appropriately prescribing um, CGM products regardless to the cost or any rebate.
0: So another example I want to mention, that is a Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. They removed manual prior auth for CGM under the pharmacy benefit way back in December 2018 for all insulin-treated members. And they recently published an analysis demonstrating a significant reduction in emergency room utilization among CGM users. Uh, Can you please discuss your perceived benefits that have resulted from the removal of barriers to CGM access in your plan?
1: Sure, Jeff, I'd be happy to. So while CGMs have upfront and ongoing costs, their use can lead to cost savings on both the pharmacy and the medical side. With regards to the pharmacy side, CGMs can also reduce costs associated with the daily test strip use. When KPP compared our um, 2021 versus 22 test strip claims, we noticed there was around a 50% reduction in test strip utilization. Because CGMs can reduce short and long-term complications for people with diabetes, there can also be associated reductions in hospitalizations, emergency room department visits, outpatient visits, and procedures for people with type one diabetes. I would also like to point out that after the removal of the prior authorization associated with the CGM products in 2020, KPP's trend did not increase dramatically as one might think it would by allowing open access. In fact, our overall 2021 trend was kept around 2%, and in 22, the trend was kept around 4%, which I think is pretty remarkable, given that diabetes is typically in the top five categories of um, plan spend.
0: Perfect. And yeah, I'll just add some commentary. Uh, the The medical offset is fascinating, and that's where I think the, the, the real big ROI is. Uh, it's, it's nice to reduce test strip utilization. Those, admittedly, are very inexpensive, high-rebated products. Um, but, uh, you know, we haven't really talked about it here, but just you, you, we can listen elsewhere and look at other sources. It, the advantage of CGM, you know, one of the advantages over test strips is the, the time and range and, and, and the data sets that we get. So uh, obviously there's a clinical uh, play there, but just the fact that you were able to show uh, an impact on the medical side is pretty cool. Um, but what what other advantages uh, would you say there are from a, an employer or health plan perspective?
1: Well, after the removal of the prior for this category, KBP has been able to effectively reduce, first of all, administrative burden for both the plan the provider, and more importantly, our own associates. And in doing so, we've made and will continue to make a positive impact for so many of our diabetic associates.
0: Uh, Janelle, I, I w- wanna thank you uh, so much for being with us today and running through your example and your outcomes and data around your decisions uh, to improve access to CGM. I would now like to move into the audience Q&A portion of today's podcast, and thank you all very much for submitting some questions. Uh, The first question is, uh, and I'll just read this, Janelle, and it came in from one of our payer colleagues, and it is much of the clinical and economic outcome data related questions revolve around uh, the type 2 diabetic patient population that are non-insulin users do you feel that or have you done studies specifically in this subset population to support open access or relaxed criteria? And then he says, I don't think very many payers are questioning use in type one or type two with insulin. Uh, in fact, uh, many have relaxed uh, from intensive insulin. Much of the prior process has been automated to look back for insulin claims and reduce the PA burden. So again, the question is really type two non-insulin users. Uh, what What have you seen?
1: So in regards to type two non-insulin users, we did not see a big uptick of people rushing out there to get a CGM because it was approved. I think at the end of the day, our goal was to help those who are motivated um, in our client population to, if they had the conversation with their doctor regarding their disease state to provide access to more of a wellness or a holistic approach to their diabetes care. So again, our data did not show a huge uptick of uh, type 2 diabetic patients seeking fills for a CGM.
0: Thank you. And But I think the question is a question that a lot of people are going to have is, and I agree, I think it's pretty straightforward in type 1 or insulin users. The question is non-insulin users. I mean, that's a much bigger population. So great question. Appreciate that. Appreciate the answer. Uh, The next question is, as Janelle, as you opened up your access, what type of communication did you make to members, pharmacists, and or providers?
1: Sure. So as I mentioned before, along with a normal letter campaign, we have the access to collaborate, meaning KPP has the access to collaborate with Kroger Health and dive in and set up clinical edits at the point of sale in our MedEx program. That allows our Kroger retail pharmacists to have a conversation on the front end regarding possible upcoming changes for formulary changes and also to discuss. Options currently on the formulary, so we do leverage that platform in order to try to appropriately address those members who, um, you know, would be appropriate candidates for this type of product.
0: All right, that probably uh, helps clients with their comfort level too about having more of open access. So, thank you. Yeah, the next question is kind of dovetails on that, and that is, you know, how did you? alleviate or address any concerns up front about the, and you kind of, you touched on on this, but just kind of re-answering with the perceived explosion and potential utilization of CGMs by taking the PA
1: off. Sure. Yeah. And I had to process Chris's earlier question. So I think at the end of the day, because of our managerial style, not only with our Kroger um, clients, but our outside book of business we really do take a collaborative approach and we try to provide data before decisions are made. There's always going to be a pro and a con. And I think it has to um, be overlaid with the overall understanding of what your client's needs are. If you have a client who is more into the wellness aspect of, you know, making the best they can for a diabetic population, then this is for them. For other clients who are a little bit more conservative then you know, having a PA would probably give them a little bit of comfort. So we didn't have any clients expressing a concern because we proactively message what we were doing beforehand.
0: Yeah. So it's getting out in front of it for sure. But then, it, yeah, obviously it's going to be data. And as more data comes out, we have outcomes and cost data, then it'll make it easier for other people to do something very similar. So that's great. All right. So, but for those payers who are listening, who may be mm-hmm. contemplating doing something similar to what you did and providing more access to CGMs, what would you, how would you help them out? Kind of what's the process? What's the first step uh, for going down that path?
1: Sure. I think, first of all, you let the data drive the conversation, right? Understanding the disease state. So taking a deeper dive into your population's utilization is the first step. And then once a clinical team has you know, gone through the metrics and they can show appropriate use or not, then having that client Face to face or Zoom anymore, um, conversation to educate them about the overall process, the disease state, and start an open dialogue. Because I think the dialogue is where it needs to start regarding, like I said earlier, is the client more into wellness and disease state prevention, employee well being and retention? So kind of feel out where the client is. And then if they are interested in moving forward, then discuss the pros and cons and obviously the financial aspects that would be involved with the, you know, the data conversation. And again, if the client is interested, you know, depending upon how your contract is set up with your PBM, explore possibly a deeper rebate, either through a GPO or if you have a direct paper um, contract with the manufacturer. You know, trying to find the best for all involved to uh, make it a, you know, a sound financial decision. And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, just being a good partner, provide the client the information and then, you know, ultimately it's their decision as to how they want to proceed.
0: Great. Thank you. There have been some questions around, quote unquote, deprescribing or changes in medication patterns. Mm -hmm. around this decision. So I'll just read one of the specific questions, and that is by providing open access, have you looked at whether or not patients are more compliant on insulin or maybe staying on insulin without going to like a GLP-1, which may be more expensive?
1: Again, have we taken a deeper dive into that patient population to determine, could you restate the question?
0: Yeah. Have you seen any changes in utilization patterns of other diabetes medications uh, as a result of this decision?
1: Well, I think what I explained earlier in the presentation is we did see a decrease in um, test strips. So globally, I have not seen like huge D prescribing in buckets, but at the end of the day, understanding the disease state, opening up access and helping a patient be more compliant, there would be savings, but no, I don't have any hardcore savings to
0: um, okay. you know explain today. All right. But have you have you looked at compliance by chance?
1: Yes, yes, okay. yes. yes. And we've seen people become you know more compliant over time.
0: Okay, perfect. So that would be an interesting, you know, follow-on to see if there is cost savings on on ancillary medication use. Those are so those are some great audience questions. So thank you for sending those in. Next question is, what impact have you seen on member and provider satisfaction with this decision?
1: Well, from the feedback that I've received, it's been positive, both obviously for the patient and also um, prescribers who are appreciating the fact that they can spend more time and less administrative burden on, you know, doing a prior authorization for something that at the end of the day would be approved anyway.
0: I'm going to try to squeeze two more questions in here. And you've kind of alluded to this, but let's just re-ask the question because it came in. Uh, So taking prior auths off could be argued, I guess, is is a passive approach, um, Mm -hmm. sort of. But what um, did, did you do anything more proactive to actually promote CGM utilization with your providers?
1: let me think about that. So I was hired during COVID in 2020. So as soon as I took the realm, we did some, you know, like I said, some deeper dives. And so that's one thing that we focused on immediately was the CGM bucket. And then over time, we have messaged that to members, whether that be through open enrollment information or targeted mailing, or most importantly, our MedEx program that I explained earlier, where we use and leverage the retail pharmacists to um, help you know, educate the patient. So I think at the end of the day, we've used many levers or yeah. approaches to try to um, bring the fact that this, you know, is a benefit for a patient.
0: Yeah, because I think, uh, you know, employers and other people would have that question. And that is, you know, taking prior off off is one thing, but to actually go out and promote and look for people and try to get them on a CGM is a is a different thing. And that's, sure. where, and that's where that data and cost savings are going to be super important.
1: Sure. And also it's a targeted approach, obviously, for the most appropriate patients.
0: And, and you that's the last question you kind of just answered, but maybe you can expand on that. And that is, you know, you've mentioned you're a you know clinician-driven organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, what role can pharmacists play in engaging members and filling that gap in comprehensive diabetes management?
1: As a retail pharmacist or a PBM
0: pharmacist? Uh, Either one, but let's do both.
1: Well, I, well, obviously a retail pharmacist is going to have a better touch point and know their patient well, and then, you know, just start the conversation if they see that they're getting more insulin or, you know, if they're not adherent, you know, just open up the dialogue. As a PBM pharmacist, I think it's important to, um, you know, again, mine the data, try to figure out the utilization cuz every every group could be different and try to make more of a targeted approach to fulfill the goal of the client's needs. So I think there's opportunity and also in a PBM I'm um, being able to have direct contact with decision makers um to see if you know brainstorm ideas or things like that could be funneled up through the bureaucracy to you know make a positive change for patients and also you know help a client Address their spend and use those resources in a more, you know, targeted way. Um, so, you yeah, there's a lot of potential to um, help patients with the opportunity to, you know, receive a CGM.
0: Yeah, and I'll just use this opportunity to put a plug in for pharmacists uh, as part of the care management team. I think things have changed a lot over the last decade. We're seeing more integrated care management. It's not just the typical. Uh, nurse-centric, you know, call programs or things like that. Not that, again, those are bad, but I I think uh, the more successful programs really do integrate nurses and pharmacists and even social workers because it really is about that patient engagement component. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, unfortunately, we're at time, so I do need to conclude the podcast, but I would like to thank you, Janelle, for your contributions and very insightful commentary. And would once again like to uh, thank Dexcon Incorporated for their support of this educational activity. So for our audience to claim credit, please click the complete evaluation link in the activity. And once the evaluation is complete and submitted, you will be able to select the type of credit you require. And you must claim your credit to receive your certificate and then for pharmacists to submit to the CPE monitor. So this concludes today's podcast. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy the rest of your day.